Welcome to the Keystone Collective Podcast. Whether you're a dedicated athlete or simply curious about life's boundless potential, this is your destination right here. Every episode, we're here to break down limiting beliefs and empower your journey towards becoming the best version of you. Let's get going. Mark, it is so good to have you on here. How are you doing? It's a pleasure, my friend. I'm doing great. How are you? Um, I'm great, man. Um, can you uh, start out with an introduction on yourself, kind of who you are, what you've been up to, what you do uh, for a living, stuff like that? Sure. Uh, my name is Mark Hayward. I'm 34-year-old American, celebrating my birthday yesterday. So it's fun to make it this far in life. Um <laughs> Uh, I have a, I went to school at George Mason University and I majored in, um, uh, let's see, the criminal, it's criminal justice, but they have a particular like brand of it at George Mason. I think it was called, um, well, anyway, it's criminal, it was criminology law and society and um, graduated in 2015, started working as a probation officer in like right after school, actually, and then um, got a full time my first full time gig in 2016. Crazy. And um, since then, I've been doing all kinds of supervision. So I've done general caseloads. I've done um, like specialty dockets, like more restorative justice dockets, mental health, drug court, uh, reentry dockets. Um, and now I'm on the sex offender team. And I'm now. It's technically it's called a senior sex offender specialist for um and in probation for the Department of Corrections in Virginia. So that's what I do now. But for a while I was doing um before I'd got that gig, I was working for the university and I did um research for alternative uh, criminal justice things. Um like alternative methods, anything that's not prison related. And that's what I collected yeah. data for. So that's been my interest. But personally, uh, my interests actually rely on or, or lie in mostly history things, religion. Um, my little modest library behind me is <laughs> full of books about um, history, mostly dealing with American Revolution, um, 19th century Russia all the way to present day and that's what I typically do but because I am LDS I do have a I do read a lot of literature on LDS both secular and non-secular stuff on that and always interested in trying to get to the bottom of not just Mormonism but Christianity um you know just seeing how other people tick so yeah and I think that's uh, one of the the big reasons why uh, your name popped up and why I, I reached out because I, I I I watched this documentary and like you know and that, that that's ultimately I think where we'll we'll start talking about and you know just looking at it at face value I thought there was a bit that you could kind of dissect from that I think there are some themes that could be discussed and I think you know I, I'll, I'll turn to you obviously uh, to kind of um, if I, I you're much more knowledgeable in in that re- retrospective as far as like i mean i i i've done some 
reading and stuff, but not nearly as much as what you've done. Um, but I'll just kind of do a recap. So the, uh, the documentary, I think it came out in 2007 from James mm. Cameron and it was the, the lost tomb of Jesus. Um, so a little synopsis in 1980, a construction crew working in the Jerusalem neighborhood of East Talpiot stumbled upon a crypt. Archaeologists from the Israel Antiquities Authority came to the scene and found 10 limestone burial boxes known as ossuaries. In the, in the crypt, six of these had inscriptions. The, the remaining ones in the ossuaries were buried as required by Jewish re religious tradition, and the ossuaries were cataloged and stored in a warehouse. The inscriptions on the ossuaries were cataloged and published by, um, yeah, some dudes here. Um, fast forward to March 2007. Um, when the television docudrama aired, um, The Lost Tomb of Jesus touched off a public and religious controversy. One only need think about the title to see why there might be a controversy. Um, yeah, the I'm just going through a document here that I actually just found, which was... I'll, I'll cool. get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, so the the odds that all six of the names would appear together in one tomb are one in 600, calculated conservatively or possibly even as much as one in one million. So the the, the six names that were kind of written on some of those ossuaries was um, Jesus, son of Joseph. Um, well, there was a Judah, son of Jesus. There was a Mary, Mary Magdalene. Um, and James, the brother of Jesus. And so the the documentary kind of just goes through of like, okay, well, look at it. Like we understand that some of these names, most of these names, all of them were like really prevalent. Like, you know, if you go down the street and say, Jesus, like how many people would look or James or Joe, whatever. And so they kind of just made the point that in this one tomb, presumably that this was maybe the, the, the tomb of Jesus and his family. Um, mm -hmm. And the, you know, they calculated statistically based off of, you know, the evidence that they found or, or brought forward. And it seemed like, you know, that could possibly be the tomb. And I think what they had mentioned is like kind of how he ended up there was after he died, Jesus, after he died on the cross and after he was put in that initial tomb, um, his, his apostles or some of his very close family members would have taken him out and taken him to this family tomb in which they would have laid him there for about a year until his body fully decomposed and then put his bones in said ossuary. And then they found that in, in, in the eighties. And so they, they kind of had mentioned some themes too, where, you know, you know, if this is true, um, this is like catastrophic for, for Christianity in a whole, because it kind of, you know, depicts a different story of what happened than what is maybe perceived. Um, and, and my first thought on that was like, you know, when you start talking about, you know, the resurrection of Christ, it's, it's really, it's, you know, it, 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 it says what happened, but to what extent, like, even when you're looking at like Mark, Luke, John, it's like the gospel from the viewer, from the, I don't, I don't know the exact words of what it says, but like in the, in the view or written by, from the opinion of Mark or John or whatever. So it's like, we're reading these accounts of these people to the best of their knowledge of what happened. And so when you talk about like what actually happened or how did he resurrect or like to what capacity or what that actually looked like that, that's kind of where I, I drew some interest because, um, you know, it was so long ago and there's, there's so many texts and so many things that, just kind of make you scratch your head and go like, what happened? So from that, like where, what were, what were your initial thoughts or kind of where, where's your head at? Well, one, I thought this is why it's really important to 
have not just the biblical record, but also supplement that with actual like the cultural norms. I have the 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 story of Jesus has never been portrayed in Christianity that he died and then placed in a tomb and then his remains went to an ossuary. That does not exist. That is that did not happen. That was not the story. <laughs> Yeah, and so the cultural norms is like his family is literally following his his body into the tomb to remove it to so they can be stowed safely was uh, interesting to me. And what was even more interesting to me is that a, I guess an ossuary is somewhat of a privilege because not only do you get an ossuary, but your name is etched into it, which is apparently unusual. Even more unusual that the ostuary of both, was it maybe Yeshua or whatever they said the name, Jesus, I guess, Jesus's name, Mary's name, and James' name, all these ostuaries were together. It makes it even more, um, it was more encouraging to the researchers because like, oh, this could definitely be the Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that was pretty exciting. Um, and even more miraculous is like, thinking about where that tomb was um and they made this argument you know long story short it's underneath an apartment complex and you know ancient israel was has been in modern day has been built upon itself i mean israel i think most of the world knows where israel is right now and how big it is it's not very big but it's housed like you know arguably the cradle of existence in, in terms of humanity um, in that Mesopotamian Middle Eastern area, that's where it all started. So, I mean, millions and millions and millions of people throughout many generations live there. And so now that apartment complex is literally on the same streets that Jesus walked or these people followed him around. Roman soldiers came door to door collecting taxes or, you know, inflicting their own sense of justice or the ancient Jewish Sanhedrin walking around, you know, taking notes and they have their own narcs back then and creating their own charges and stuff. Literally these places are probably 10, 15 feet below what is modern day Israel now. Um, so when there's, when they discovered this tomb, it's, you really just discover like the top portion of the door and, or the the opening of the tomb and under all that is rubble so one i'm like is it even is the apartment complex even structurally sound anyway yeah, yeah that's, that's, a, that's a rabbit that that's a rabbit hole um but to think how the christian idea of jesus the, his life his resurrection uh, according to christians could be completely torpedoed if they found the remains in this box but then you know i've also thought well what does resurrection look like? Uh, I know what, uh, well, at least I understand what bringing, coming back to life means, which is not synonymous with resurrection. So for example, Lazarus dies, his body rots, but as the story goes, Lazarus is risen, risen from the dead. Well, in his same like remains mm -hmm. and albeit, you know, livable remains. Now I'm sure like his skin's not necrotic, you know, his vitals working. So he's not rotting, but anymore, but a resurrected being, uh, I think that means 
not the same remains because the old remains is just the old remains is its own limitation. There are remains. There are no remains with a resurrected being as, as the Christian understanding goes. So even if they found his remains, I'm not sure it would have shaken me at all, but I understand what they're saying that it could be like, it could be catastrophic. I wouldn't have taken it there, but I know many would. Um, yeah. But that was my quick two cents on that. And I think I I I I think I kind of went to that same place too. Like even just taking that back to to Adam, you know, when when Adam was created, he was created kind of from the earth, in mm. that sense, right? So when you talk about that kind of resurrection, it's like, well, what, what what does that really mean? Like you know, like exactly what you just said and presented. Like, is it the actual same structure and bone dust, and that ends up forming a new? Or is it like the essence and you're just talking about like the spirit and then you do get that new body of flesh, but it's like new material, like it's it's perfected, I think mm -hmm. is kind of what what that that goes from. And yeah. that's, yeah, like even even saying that, like watching that and then that point that they brought up of like, yeah, that could shake Christianity to its course. Like, I don't I don't really view it like that because and, and that my, you know, one of my first points, too, it's like, how do you know? How do any of us know? Like, I know you can study as much as you want, but like the texts that we're working with, we all know how old they are and how lost in, in translation. Like, it's like, even when you, when you compare Bibles, right? Like the, the, mm -hmm. the new King James version compared to some of these other translations, it's like, sometimes it's easier to read some of the other ones. And it's nice to cross-reference to kind of get a, a better idea because the, the, the English that was written was, you know, completely chaotic and hard to understand but then there's mm. other times where you like compare verses and you're like these aren't even saying the same thing anymore so when and, and like how you interpret it like i think it's i think that's why it, it's so interesting is because when you when you're looking at it like at face value when you start digging into it you just start thinking about like well like what actually happened like what are the possibilities so like and then i think um the criticism that the documentary had because i think there was a lot of other people that that looked at it as far as um in quotation scholars um they because there there wasn't one of the osh because there was 10 ossuaries in the tomb and then they actually only cataloged nine and so there was that missing one and then that missing one turned out to be um was purchased by some guy that he got it from and they ended up kind of making that connection and i think what was that one james Yes, I was James, the brother. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was their idea since they couldn't find the ossuary of Jesus. Well, let's see if we can find the ossuary of the brother or yeah. even the argument of like perhaps he had, perhaps Jesus had a child. Yeah. And maybe he concealed a marriage, a marriage, a fling, a whatever. And I know that many Christians as blasphemous, but I would argue like, you know, I think most christian in christianity like marriage is sort of like the, the pinnacle next to having a family like marriage is like the pinnacle experience for a, a christian person so why wouldn't the savior of the world the, the literally champion, the, the, yeah literally the you know what christianity is all about why wouldn't he have a family why wouldn't he be married why wouldn't he have children so I, the the biblical record doesn't talk about that, but it, the biblical record is also so fragmented. Uh, you know, you have pieces of letters, uh, old accounts of what happened. I mean, even you have four gospels, 
and four gospels highlight roughly the same thing. And then they sort of branch off to their own brand of what happened, their own little versions of what happened in Jesus's life. But still both of them, both all four accounts seem to skip the first maybe 10 to 12 years of Jesus's life. Uh, we don't know anything of, in terms of like what happened after he was born. It was like for, he was born. And then the next account in terms of chronology would be him teaching the Jews. Yeah. And that's, that's a large, that's a, that's a large gap. But what you were saying about resurrection, you know, it's interesting, like it sort of racked my brain too. And I was thinking about after, as I was watching, I was thinking about, okay, what does resurrection mean? What does it look like? And I was thinking about something I, I thought previously where, would we even recognize each other if we were resurrected beings? The reason I bring that up is because, you know, Jesus Christ, let's say, you know, Jesus Christ was resurrected and he appears to his own apostles and like, they didn't even recognize it. For example, when he's on the boat, he's coming to them on the shore and he's saying cast, you know, it's same. Oh, well, he's not on the boat. He's on the shoreline in his, his followers are on the boat. They went back to fishing instead of doing the, the apostle thing. Yeah. And so he's telling them to like the old sort of the old way he met them. Like, you know, how's the fishing? How's it going? And they're, you know, <laughs> you know, and they're like, same old response, not going great. And they're having this whole dialogue. And then finally it's like, Peter's like, it is the Lord and jumps into the water and swims to him. If he was that, if they were that intimate for that long, they noticed they didn't readily recognize him. Yeah. So I would argue that you, that we wouldn't re readily recognize each other either. And it's just an interesting thought. I mean, I think that is interesting. I can't remember the path. There was a, and I'm going to butcher this. It was like the road to Jericho or something where jesus and the apostle jesus is walking with the apostles and talking to them and they don't recognize who he is and this is post you know post um crucifixion yeah and once they recognize who he is he vanishes and but if you're walking and talking as soon as they figure it out he's not there i mean again they would as you're talking you would know so they they seem to like catch on they notice the sense of familiarity um, so I'm not convinced we would even assuming resurrection is correct and a thing yeah. and all this, I wouldn't, I'm not sure we would even recognize ourselves. I mean, I think we would recognize the personalities, perhaps like the subject matter that interests you, it'll be manifested as you talk, but in general, in terms of physical appearance, uh, I'm not sure we would, I and don't think I'd I don't think I would look that different from what I am now, but I would look different enough where you might not catch on. Yeah, exactly. Um, and even just thinking about like the second coming, right? Cause it, I think according to scripture, it, it, it states that like, we will all know when he returns. And so like, I think, you know, just from that uh, Christ, Christian perspective, it kind of seems like there'd be like a glorious kind of like that, you know, that the sun, the sun ray coming down and you know that I think just, you know, from growing up too, that's kind of how it was depicted. And for whatever reason, that's just kind of stuck, right? Like you, you would know, cause it's this big glorious moment and you know, here's Jesus, but like to what capacity, especially thinking about like, if it happened 
tomorrow? Or what if it happened last week? You know, mm. like you know, it's just, it's like, how, how would we know? And how would he present himself? And similarly, you know, after he was crucified and he came back ex- exactly right. Like how, how did he present himself? He he went up to his apostles and probably his family and stuff too. And was like, Hey guys. And they're like, yeah, get out of my house, get out of my space. And you're like, what are you talking about? I'm Jesus. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a thing. Uh, yeah. Because I mean, I, you know, wasn't it Mary and, and, you know, when Jesus was resurrected and Mary's crying at the tomb, which again, Again, I find this part of the story peculiar if they really had, if they took an ossuary, this is the Christian narrative. So I find it peculiar that it goes this route if the cultural uh, norm of the time was to not do this. But at any rate, he's in the tomb because the story is the tomb stone is rolled away. The idea that, and this is tragic to Mary because the tomb's open, he must have been stolen. And so she's, she's and she's remorseful and Jesus is talking to her with her back to him. And finally something about something, something he says about her name makes her pause and turn around and understand that it's, you know, she says Rabboni or a rabbi it can, you know, kind of like this, the teacher respect thing. And that's interesting to me too, because again, if you knew his voice that well, you would have turned around. But again, I think the resurrected being like you have a different, you have a different voice because so I think there's something about maybe his tenderness that made her recognize him. And even so much as to like, Oh my gosh, that's you. I want to touch. Is it really you? And then he stops her. And so that's this is the part of the story that I'm much more interested in than if they found the remains. I'm like the remains, the tabernacle of clay that we know that we're made of, it's intended to be back to the to the matter which it came from. You know what I mean? I, I don't it's it's symbolic of the mortal existence of the earth and ourselves, like it goes back into the ground. I'm much more interested about the matter that is you know that transcends eternities you know mm-hmm. so that's what tripped my mind and i'm thinking these guys it's like they think they found like the holy grail they found the ribs of jesus for example i'm like yeah. that is the literally not even the point it's not even the point of the ministry it's like i bet you did and now it's like and if you did i again i'd be like great i don't know how you prove that but it yeah. does literally would do nothing um for me in that thought of like, okay, so, so what? Yeah. And even just thinking about like, how would you present it? How would you even like try to communicate that? Like, I'm sure they obviously tried their best to whatever capacity that they could, but like Mary Meg, like, how would you put that to words? We're like, well, it, it, it didn't quite look like him, but like, you know what I mean? Like she used words as if like, oh, well, like I recognize his tenderness. Like, what, what does that mean? Like we're, we're making assumptions as far as what that meant, but when you really yes. break it, it's like, it's so hard to really get a picture of like what happened because it was so long ago and yeah, mm. we have record. And I think, I think like the, the moral of the story that I took from this was like just the importance of a belief in God, a belief that Jesus atoned and died for us. Like, I think like, that's like, the essence of the message of what this is all kind of talking about is that like 
you know, I, I completely believe that something happened. I believe, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God, um, and, and the spirit. And so when you're, when you're using, I feel like obviously like they're, they're a tool you can learn from them and you, and there's lessons to be had. And like, it's, 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 it's quite, it's beautiful literature. Um, but it's also confusing and it's, it's hard to really like, and I always, I, I got puzzled too. Cause there's, there's so many people that have dedicated their lives to the study. And, you know, that earlier when I had, you know, in quotations, the, the experts or whatever, whatever I had said, um, it's like, it's how do you, how do you really become an expert in that? Like you can be knowledgeable of all the different accounts and like cross-reference them. But when you, when you start making claims about like, this is absolutely, you know, for certain, this is the way that it happened, not necessarily that it happened or not, but like these events were the things that actually took place and making claims about it. It's like, I start scratching my head. Cause it's like, that's, that's awesome that you kind of came to that conclusion and it, it paints a very nice picture or a picture, but it's like, how do you, how do you absolutely know for sure based off of like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I guess that's the great limitation to religion. I mean, actually the appeal, the appeal to religion in my estimation is that you can't prove it. And so you have faith that bridges the gap from the logical and what we're taught. And that's what people hang on to. And I, I don't find that to be a weakness. I find that to be a strength because for many people, that's that faith piece is what they're living for. That's what they're living on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of grand conclusions. I have a really hard time with conclusions in general. I just prefer just to like, look, look at all the data points, look at all the, look what, what we know about the time, look at what we know from the scriptures, at least what the scriptures teach. Um, try to study like throughout time, how did the, how did the Bible get, how did the things in the Bible, why were they selected to be in the Bible? How was the Bible compiled and the writers? I mean, even the old Testament is written hundreds of years after it happened. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's what, I guess my interest in when I'm in terms of like secularly is, you know, secular study of it all really helps to understand the context of what we're looking at. For me, it provides a framework to like understand where to plug in the faith Mm -hmm. and you need, you need both. In my opinion, for me, I need both. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you're not going to find a hundred percent. We know this happened. I don't, it's very hard to prove it. Um, You know, and a lot of the experiences are anecdotal and that might be frustrating to like a researcher, for example, but it would, but there's a lot of power in anecdotal things too, because it speaks to you personally. It speaks to others personally. Um, I I speak, I, I think in a very logical linear fashion, there's strengths and limitations to that. But when I'm trying to be faithful, I, the things I, like answers to prayers, for example, or answers to questions come to me in a linear fashion, uh, generally speaking. Um, but there are others that receive it in different ways and I wouldn't take that from them either. So when they say, I know this is true or whatever, I think that's, I want to, I don't want to take that from them. Um, I just accept that when I receive something like that, I just, I'm, I appreciate the experience. I try to find sense of it. I, I'm grateful for it, but I'm, I'm, it's hard for me to say something definitively 
is true. I just like, I just appreciate the experience for uh, what it is. Um, mm -hmm. Dan McClellan, I don't know if you ever listened to him. He's got a podcast called Data Over Dogma. And I've heard of that. I've heard of it. Yeah, he's, I mean, incredibly knowledgeable. Um, and he's a, you know, a biblical scholar I, I, is what he refers himself as. And I think that's what his training is in. And he's talking about all the different, what you were saying, all the different uh, versions of the Bible and even the most, even the latest translation methods that we have, there's parts of the Bible that are completely different. Um, even in Christianity, you know, the LDS church included, some passages in the Bible don't trans they don't translate the way we teach it now so that begs the question like well what was the meaning in the first place so it's stuff like that i think faith is not only a journey but it requires like lots of work to find out the context the meanings the history um and how we can apply it today and if it if we need to apply things differently based on what we learn or understand better because of better technology helps us better understand the history the context of the time that should be explored and we should thank god that we live in a time where we can do that because there are generations that wish uh, they could have yeah and it's i think it's also hard to kind of take out that bias and you know because when you start talking about faith too it's 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 just so personal like it's just so personal and it's i i i i feel like there's a lot of people that get like, it, it, of course, it's a hot subject, right? Like when someone says, oh, I believe this, like this is exactly what happened. And then someone else is like, oh, I don't know exactly. Um, like it, it's it's just very emotional. It's very like opinionated and like opinionated faith based, I would say. And that, I think that's where a lot of struggle can come from. And a lot of like, even when you're just having conversation, right? Like I think people are, you know, experiencing life differently based off of different consequences and different um life experiences in general and so that that all contributes to like your overall progression and bias too like it, it's some for some it takes a lot of effort to kind of get to a, a general nice secure feeling versus you know others if they don't really explore others or they're, they're not really challenged in the same way it may come a little bit easier but i think that's kind of the beauty of it at the same time where we we all have our own you know different our differences but we also have our own um, strengths that differ from, from person to person. And so, you know, the, the faith or the faith struggles that you have, I think just kind of build you personally, like it, it builds like your testimony and, and kind of what your belief system. And I think that like, it, exactly. Like it, it gets to the point of like, what is it trying to say again? And it goes back to how can I be a better person? Like it, and it's, it's, it, it should be uplifting. And so getting stuck on, you know, the, a translation, of this means this and this says this it's like of course of course you're gonna like get stuck on that but i don't think that you should and it's the same way like i think you mentioned this um you know trying to to say to to make full conclusions or statements saying that this is you know absolutely 100 factual you know, there's always going to be people that debate that and so there's have you heard of uh steven c meyer i don't think so he's he's fantastic he has a really good episode on joe rogan's podcast um and they they talk about his most recent book called return of the god hypothesis um and it's it's basically he's he's a he's like a physicist 
um, astrophysicist, like basically all things. Um, he had another book uh, talking about um, Darwin's doubt, it's called. And he talks about, you know, um, uh, that design model of, um, what do you call it? What's the word? Evolution. Um, uh-huh. But in, in in this book, The Return of the God Hypothesis, he, t- he talks about the, like, it, it's called the fine-tuning theory. And, you know, when you start talking about the creation um, and how, you know, when you look at really all of the the facts that we even can know of, like Jupiter being the right distance away to be able to repel different space matter so it doesn't, you know, hit Earth and the sun is the the right distance from us so that we can survive. And then thinking about even just like the, you know, the pre, the pre-mortal soup of like two carbon 14 atoms colliding, creating this and that, and that's, you know, the big bang theory. But when you look at, you know, again, it's, it's, it's from however long ago that the earth was created before we actually were put on the earth, people are still trying to prove factually that this is, you know, this is exactly what happened. This is the theory. Like, you know, even though the world has more or less readily accepted the big bang theory, um, if, if you're not really involved in any Christianity or any, you know, other potential religious belief that has similar views. Um, and he, he just compares, like he compares the, the different, um, field studies and theories that some of these, um, physicists have created. And when you kind of put them, when you put them in a timetable, it's also interesting because when at the time that the big bang theory kind of evolved and started becoming mainstream, some of these physicists have also released later afterwards um, studies that kind of, you know, take back their statements from other research that, that they had previously had mentioned or said. And so I, I think the joke in, in physics land, from what I understand is that the, the big bang theory is, you know, the one theory that, you know, what, what, I don't even remember what it was, but like, it's, it's, it's a perfect theory with some exceptions. So it's, it's scientifically yeah. proven but with certain exceptions. So it's like you're picking and choosing then. And I just thought it was really, really interesting, especially from, you know, thinking of like the fine tuning of having a creator put, put things right in the right place at the right time. Um, I think the the most notable thing that he had mentioned was um, even if like the expansion we've proven just through, through um, astronomy and astrophysics that the, the universe is expanding and that there was an expansion of the universe. And he had mentioned, right, like if if it had expanded any faster or any slower, it would have just been catastrophic, full of destruction. And and, and like our, our whole galaxy and, and solar system and, and beyond that we know of wouldn't exist it just because it would collapse itself or it would be too fast and no matter would actually be able to to, to form. Um, yeah. And he, he had some some statistical claims about like, you know, the odds of um, the Big Bang happening are like far smaller than the actual odds of something like a fine tuning. And it was, I, I thought that I was really interested. What are some oh, of your thoughts neat. on uh, the creation? It's a good book and it, you should check out that, that uh, episode. Cause I think Joe Rogan, uh, I'm, he a does ask... Joe, I'm a huge fan of Joe Rogan. So I'm, yeah. I'm surprised this guy's not ringing a bell in my head. I'll have to check it out. He, he, Joe Rogan was asking like some pretty decent, like from, from a completely logical explanation no, sure. and and he started talking so um this guy the the author he 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 is a he didn't mention what denomination but he did mention that he, he was christian and they started talking about faith and i think he like i think he did have some really good explanations because it's like how do you explain faith 
with science. You know what I mean? Because Joe Rogan was like, well, what, what, what couldn't it have just been like, you know, um, yeah, it's 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 good. I, I don't really recall exactly what he was saying, but it, I just I, it was a it was a really good thought provoking, you know, on that subject about the book. I would I would I want science and religion to no longer be arch nemesis. I mean, they need to merge. And this last general conference, I got married in October, and right before we got married, there was general conference. The general conference, I can't remember the speaker, but he said. Um, it, he said, where there's design, there's a designer. And, you know, I, I, I thought about that, but when, when I went on, we went on our honeymoon to Iceland and when we got there, you know, we did a lot of fun stuff or whatever, but the last, our last full day there, we went into a planetarium oh, that's and so cool. it is so cool. And in the planetarium, they had a movie. So I just imagine you know what a movie would be like in a planetarium half globe thing and they were talking about the whole thing was actually about northern lights where they come from why they happen and i'm thinking oh yeah solar flares blah 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 everything we ever heard right <laughs> yeah. well it's not it, it's that but it's like they explained like they dumbed it down but like the physics the astrophysics of how it happens and how the magnetic field is around the earth is because it's not just like in my mind okay it's just the sun shooting flares and then they just they get pulled to either side of the north and south pole which is generally correct what i didn't realize is that the sun is constantly shooting flares at the earth and if it wasn't for the magnetic field around the earth that protects it from the flares actually penetrating through our atmosphere, we would all be torched. This whole place would be on fire. And it's it's constant. I can't remember the I'm not even sure. I don't I'm not even sure what the metric uh they use to measure mm -hmm. like how many times we would have burned by now. But the the way they were portraying it was like the constant solar fire is just pelting, pelting the earth. And by the time it hits a certain part of the magnetic field, it's been it's pulled to either pole. And the flares come all over the globe uh, and hit, there's just as many flares that hit the equator that hit like Alaska, for example. Interesting. Yeah. And so, so for me, like I loved the depiction of it. Um, and I tried to find the video. I couldn't find it anywhere else. I guess. And they said it's exclusive. You have to find it. You can only find it at the Perlon and in Iceland, but what they, but it made, made me think where there's design, there's a designer. And so I agree with what he's saying, like these theory, I mean, science has a bunch of theories and maybe some of them are right. I have, I don't really know. Um, but you know, like the big bang, the whole idea that the whole world and the cosmos and its existence was all at one time condensed into what is the size of the pin of a, the pin of a needle and then just exploded into existence. Yeah. That's the idea of the big bang. Yeah, like that is a wild thing to say, and I have no idea what that you know really means. But let's say let's say it's true. There's still, in my opinion, there is a designer that designed that, and I'm not so bent on the seven days of creation. I'm not bent about people not talking about the dinosaurs. I'm just 
it looks like there's a design. Apparently, there's enough blood vessels or something in or sinews or something in the body where you could wrap the earth like four or five times around. Gosh. And it's like, yeah, that's more than an evolutionary thing. There, there is, or you know, there is something behind that. Like, in, in my opinion, I, I don't know yeah. how there is there is a purpose. Sometimes the idea of trying to determine the purpose is um, frustrating and confusing because you know what re religion try it gives you a purpose. The world, and it depends who you talk to in the world. The world says that you're like the scourge of the earth. And then mm. religion tells you that, you know, this is a, a time for you to learn and grow and, you know, exist again after this life. So, you know, you need both. You need both is my point. Why Why do you think that it's such a, a chaotic problem? Like it, it's anywhere you go, like there's always someone somewhere that has something to say about it. Like it's just like... I, I I think I align a lot more with you than like what you would maybe typically find. Like I don't, I don't get hung up on like some of these small things or even, even in like LDS history on some of the things that really like bend people out of shape and then end up kind mm -hmm. of leaving and going like, it's a lot of those things. It's not that I, I'm being naive to them or, you know, picking one over the other. It's just like I, I, I choose to focus on what I value, which is my family, which is mm -hmm. like the idea that there is a creator and that there was, you know, uh, a savior who, you know, atoned for my sins. And I there's 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 a, a framework that I can constantly better myself. I can take care of my family and we can have, you know, the the supports and, and the understanding um, you know, of of an eternity, not necessarily that you just die and, you know go away um and yeah like i just why 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 do you think that there's so much chaos when it comes to to science and faith i just think it, it seems to me that when you have a good idea or even a, an idea that you're able to justify through your own proof or evidence or whatever it sort of plays on this weird tribalism that's deep within all of us and it's like scientists are right or whatever and i was watching this thing on max it's not hbo anymore on max and it was about you know when when did humans cross into the americas was essentially the you know the question and there has there's now categorical evidence that says that humans have existed now at least in Mexico and the Americas for 33,000 years. And the projections are, could be much more, but we know at least that much now. And I'm like that defies so much. And <laughs> so for me, it's like, now that you know that I'm like, let's try to figure it out. But what it is, but what it does is like, you'd have to rewrite history. You have to rewrite history. And, you know, they're talking about like the land bridge and the land bridge, like, basically everything from the Yukon to New York city was under 10,000 feet of ice. And until uh, the, the ice age ended 12,000 years ago. And so there are, so now the argument's like, well, I guess they got there. Those people got there before the ice and before the ice shelf <laughs> yeah. happened. 
And now it's, but then it's like, well, why does it, why did they have to come from the land bridge? Why couldn't they come by sea? Why couldn't they come by? I mean, all these, all these um, ideas that are now swirling. And I think some folks who've put in so much, you know, blood, sweat, and tears in their research, they're really, they're really protective of it. And, and, you know, there's many researchers together. So to me, it's like tribal about it. And um, I don't, I think that's too bad. I remember my grandfather was telling me he got his PhD in economics in the sixties. And he was telling me, he's like, my, this is years ago. He's like, my research is absolutely, is, is obsolete now. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I wish that's how it would be. Like we all build upon the knowledge that we bring to the table because you needed the people who said that, you know, existence in the Americas was 10,000 years ago so that these people now could say 33,000, like they're building off each other's research. Yeah. And then the religious community needs to be able to be like, okay, let's merge these two together. Let's find a way to merge it together instead of find ways to, to, you know, they want to die on the hill that the earth has been around for 6,000 years. That's yeah. not a hill I'll die on. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Have happen. you, I, I'm, I'm like, did so many rabbit hole dives into, you know, exactly kind of what you were just mentioning, like, you know, 12, 12,000 years ago on, you know, how, where those people came from. And, um, are you familiar with, um, Graham Hancock? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 No, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> I, you, you started saying that. I was like, this sounds an awful lot like <laughs> Graham Hancock. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, it's, it. it's so mind boggling to me. Like it, it just, it's like, when you look at it, it's like, you can't really say no, like really. And, and especially like when you were talking about like the, the archeologists that like are dying on that Hill, it's like tribal, like it's, it's nuts. The fact that like yeah. you came up with this one idea or this one theory and that's the end all be all now. And it's in all the textbooks. And it's like, well, why wouldn't you want to like save your name? Of course you would be, you know, upset if uh, you're like, Oh, he was actually wrong. It's like, well, I mean, that's take that as a compliment. Like you, you were doing great research, and you, you, this was a great study, and that's what you, like you helped develop it. So the fact mm. that you were maybe wrong because there was a new development, I don't think is a loss. Like you, you, you played a part in the history to get us to where we are now. So instead of being selfish about like the remarks that you know the world's only existed for six thousand years, and like, man, like even just thinking about like the, the the work from all the other like the, the dig sites that they found in in malta yeah oh my god like oh that's my gosh that. yeah that like how do you <laughs> i know like i do yeah. like I, I i did these deep dives and i was like looking around at like my coworkers and everyone else around me is like you guys aren't freaking out about this like this is literally like this is the first time i've ever heard this before and i'm like guys like this is this is this is crazy stuff we got to know this stuff like and and comparing that to you know, what we know now and, and in comparison to how little we know mm -hmm. just like makes me devastated, completely devastated. Like even go back 500 years, we probably knew more then than we do now in, yeah. in different areas, you know? Sure, sure. And we're not, yeah, what yeah. I agree. Uh, you know, like, how do you explain, like, nobody can, Again, it's just a bunch of theories, but if everybody would do you watch basketball at all? A little bit. Yeah. There's this there's this I saw this meme the other day 
there's this player named Ron Artest. He's known for being like violent and punching people and stuff. And there's this other player named Draymond Green. He's in um <laughs> his name is Meta World Peace now. Um Ron Artest. Ron Artest, he no longer he doesn't play basketball anymore. But Draymond Green is a player now, and he's also, you know, he he's a little bit more physical than most players, and some call him dirty player and all this. But it was funny because the meme said Ron Artest walked so that Draymond Green could run. And <laughs> I, I feel that way about all this other stuff. Like we could be running. We could be running, but instead we're all just walking different directions when we could be trying to find, you know, get to the bottom of this. And maybe we won't get to the bottom of things, but we'll we'll get closer to what it could be or supposed to be because the, yeah. the next generation after us is going to be, you know, thanking Graham Hancock for doing the brave journalism that he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't have to, there's not one, there's not one acceptable reason as to why Easter Island is the way that it is. You know what I mean? That is to be explored and continue on. You know, how do you, how do you create and transport these megalithic lava rocks and you know what i mean and 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 then just to find out that the the people that existed there were like three and a half four feet tall at the tallest yeah it's like there's a we we could know more if we we could we could we could and just thinking about like all that like i just don't even think that like we have the resources to be able to probably define and investigate a like the majority of these 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 weird phenomena and like structural pieces and you know the pyramids but like and then comparing that to some of the different you know um study groups or things that you know like our governments decide to throw money at it's like why does this exist why do we need this who's benefiting from this like you you're, you're putting you know millions of dollars here when you could put even like a couple hundred of thousands of dollars like like minimal in comparison to like go dig this up and then and then scan it or something it's like oh yeah why aren't you doing that you can literally you can look up like people writing you know applying for grant money to do this kind of research i'm like go fund it it could be funded yeah but it's just not i don't know if it's so that's like an area of my in area of my interest but what bothers me is like pretty much nobody cares i have a lot of great friends and I love them. They love me, I think. And but they, I notice when I talk, when I say something, I like, I'll just throw out a little bit. And very few of them, very few of them will reciprocate. And it's so sad. It's like, you know, years ago I read the book *Sapiens*, and then later the sequel um, *Homadeus*. And Yuval Harari wrote it, who's Israeli, and he, it's like a fascinating book that you know. You know, he's also a journalist. He's trying to figure out the origins of mankind. How did it happen? And I was thinking, why get, we have got to bring this together with religion because it's the story of us. Both religion and science try to explain the story of us. And probably somewhere in the middle is the truth because, uh, you know, religion doesn't like books like Sapiens because it totally causes like a nuclear explosion on the on the adam and eve story Mm -hmm. but does it does it have to though maybe 
Adam and Eve were God's first covenant people. And the story of maybe the story is told incorrectly where civilization came from them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, maybe that was the first covenant relation for God. I'm, I'm just spitballing, but these yeah, conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. be had because it's blasphemous for the Christians. And then the scientists scoff at the idea of it, period. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I, to me, it's just the pride of both sides. I mean, Christianity is prideful and every bit as prideful as scientists too. Uh, I'm just mm-hmm. willing, I'm, I'm ready to bridge the gaps and have these conversations and trying to deconstruct it all and find meaning in this life from my past so we can apply it to the present so we can benefit in the future. Yeah. I think, I think the problem with that though, is like when, if, if, if that's kind of like the, your mission on kind of what you want to do, it's kind of like bridge that gap. It's like the amount of just pure time and knowledge and, and finding expertise in so many different fields to kind of do that yourself is like, good luck, I guess. Right. Like, you know, cause you kind of have to be well-versed understanding like one, number one, like just, um, doctrine you know like being an expert in in what 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 did uh, that one guy call himself uh bible scholar something oh yeah yeah yeah. you gotta be a bible scholar but you also kind of have to have a really like you have to understand physics and you have to understand um astronomy astrophysics like there's so many different fields that you kind of have to piece together and it's like if if more people had that that same kind of mission or that same kind of interest or drive to kind of like let's bridge this gap and like figure out you know where things meet and like it would just be that much easier because i feel like you're kind of you know the you're the only quarterback on the team and you don't have you know front line you have nobody it's you versus an entire team trying to throw some mad touchdowns but you mm-hmm. can't because it's like you keep getting blocked here and here and then this comes up sure sure I don't know. I'm, I don't, I don't, I kind of like how in science, generally speaking, it's like, there is no limit to discovery. Mm-hmm. In Christianity, it's sort of, I mean, there is, like, the story is complete. And that, that bothers me. When I was a student, we, I spent most of my time studying 9-11 and studying the bomb, the, the um, 2013 bombing in Boston, the Boston bomber bombers mm-hmm. rather, uh, Joe Carson and I have and his brother Talent. And when we were studying 9-11, we talked about this thing called the theory of competing analysis. And what it is, it's like this matrix that you create and it and you try to you pick an event and then you set up the matrix in such a way where you have on one axis is like the possible theories of why something happened and then what happened. And then you try to, it's hard to explain what, I don't <laughs> say anyway, the idea is like you plot points and whatever has the most points is the most likely reason something happened. Oh, okay. And, and um, so it's like a visual, it's sort of like a visual board this way. Anyway. Um, I lost my train of thought of why I brought that up. Oh, so anyway, we I think that has a place. That sort of analysis has its place between religion and science. And um, the the thing my professor told me, and I had him for three semesters, so I enjoyed all of his classes, but they all built on each other. He said the the biggest reason America was 
was unprepared for 9-11 or the U.S. was unprepared for 9-11 was because we lacked imagination. So we had no way to compare. Like the idea that someone would take a plane and ram it into the, the trade centers was completely unfounded. We, we, we completely like we had no idea. Like even the FBI when, was, you know, was told by the students that we have no we, we don't we don't need to land these planes. We just need to learn how to fly them. No red flags for the premier law enforcement agency for the United States. And they still, they were still able to board the thing. I'm like, now because of them, I have to take my belt off when I want to go fly to go see my grandparents across the States. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's because we lacked imagination. We couldn't like come up with strategies or policies to sort of plug the holes here. Same. So we lack imagination as to how these things can actually happen. And I'm not that imaginative, but I want to employ or encourage people to like think outside the box and Christianity and in science to see how we can bridge the gaps together. Because to me, they're, they should be cohesive and we should be reaching across the aisle and to explain how these things happen because we need, uh, we need that connection, I think desperately. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, like my take from that is like in the process of doing that, like that should be the process and an additional framework to encourage your belief. Like in, in a way like that would I, you, one could find strength from that. I don't think that like you'd be doing that with reason to find that finite point. Like you're not doing that to like necessarily get to the end of exactly what happened. Cause we're not, we're never going to really know we're not. Even, you know, even as we get more advanced and maybe, you know, we gain some more information or knowledge here and there, but like, I don't think that like you should be chasing that, like that absolute 1 million hundred percent. Like, I think you can, you can be 1 million hundred percent in believing, but I don't think you need to necessarily back that up with facts in that same way. Like, I think that's where faith comes in. Cause naturally mm. when you're looking at these two things, you know, religion, it's faith. And faith, there's a lot of unanswered things. You know, when you start talking about miracles and you start talking about this and that, like it's, how do you, well, how do you know? We're like, well, I just do. I just, I yeah. feel good about it. Right. Like, how do you, how do you really base that with, with anything? So I think it's like, it's, it, it's a, it can be a slippery, a slippery slope because you can fall off and you can get lost in, you know, that discouragement of like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to believe if it's not true. So I have to find out if it is true. 1 million percent. It's like, you're missing the point. Like our, 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 our existence is, is, is progression. We progress as a person. We were born and then we die. Mm. So I think the, like for me anyway, a, a big viewpoint is like, you're, you can do all those things while still maintaining a, a nice, healthy relationship with a creator. You can still, you can still like, even if, if new facts come up, like that shouldn't falter or waver your dedication to personal development and, and a belief that there was a creator. Yeah. Hmm. It keeps me up at night. <laughs> it Absolutely. It does. I'm glad, it does. I mean, I'm glad it does. I mean, it's worth, it's worth my energies to sort of figure that out. And, um, and or bring people along with it and i'm i'm a big fan of uh you know jordan peterson the great albertan and um 
he you can tell that he wrestles with humanity every time he speaks you can i i hear it and i see it <laughs> yeah and i i want i aspire not only to be like that but to care that much and so just for someone to discourage what's like uniquely me and trying to and trying to you know ponder these things uh, has been my my greatest uh my greatest discouragement to date, I think, but, and, and from both sides, because mm-hmm. one side doesn't care about the religion and the religion thinks, Hey man, you're not focusing on what you need to focus on because what you're focusing on is not going to let you, is not going to let you go, you know, excel, you know, in this life or the next. I'm like, yeah. What a, what a <laughs> loss. What a waste. Here, what, what makes a bad idea though? And I think like, I'm asking that in the point of like, you know, when you start talking about, different conspiracy like everything you know if if something's out of the norm all of a sudden it's labeled as oh that's a conspiracy theory and it's like what like why does it always have to just jump to that extreme like if you're really looking at something where you can't like necessarily 100 say that this is exactly what happened because i saw it and all these people saw it and it was on video and like there was no other thing stopping like this is what happened um, that you have an idea and you're like putting things out there, like being, having an imagination. We're like, well, what if it was actually like this? And now, and, and that, that it's viewed negatively in a lot of ways. Like, even when you look at, like, I, I'm interested in your thoughts because I know that there are lots of people that still probably do believe um, that 9-11 was either like an inside job or for whatever, like when you look at, like, oh, how did the building fall? Like they don't do that naturally, and it wouldn't have happened like that just from the plane, or you know, the plane flying into the Pentagon. And so when you start throwing these ideas of, like, oh, it was an inside job, like even though there was some evidence that could be considered conclusive, it's like, well, there are, there could still be some some points that maybe lead you to think otherwise. So is it is it naive to just assume that you know based off of what we saw happened that that's actually what happened? And you know where 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 does that line get drawn? I just think if I find someone saying, "Hey, that's a conspiracy theory," I think that's a cop out. Why don't you challenge the thought process or their conclusion? Because to come up just to say oh, that's a conspiracy theory, I'm like, "Well, you're not really fun to talk to." Bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not fun to talk to. You know, Alex Jones, for example, and I think Alex Jones, um, you know, is a very controversial character. And more so recently too. Yeah, Have more you... so recently. And his Twitter account is being put back on, but he's got a lot of followers. And some of the things he said is like true. Mm-hmm. And things are true like decades later. Uh, they actually happened. And so anyway, instead of dismissing it, I'd be like, well, challenge the thinking. I mean, just because he's a bombastic radio shock jock, why don't we why don't we engage in that and part of it's his fault because he doesn't really engage in conversation necessarily but um but the idea that everything's a conspiracy theory and i've heard that more since since covid than anything else (laughs) and it just it's just upsetting and so when you instead of dismissing it well i don't know why we can't just think about the origins of the thought or try to or just argue it and instead we're just we're just throwing stones man each side is thrown stones and I'm guilty of it too. I I, I have done that. And I guess wh- why I'm the way that I am now or feel the way that so strongly that I do now in terms of like having a collective conscience on things, or at least try to work it out amongst each other is because I have wasted a lot of time throwing stones. 
I waste a lot of time responding to people on Instagram and Facebook. What a wasted effort. That's the worst platform to try to change anyone's mind. Yeah, absolutely. They were never going to change mine and I was never going to change theirs. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what I think or what I say, it's easy to, you can find something that to be oppositional with, but it's a waste of energy. So now it's like, well, why can't we, why can't we just try to have the same passions to go find out which direction we should go together? You know, how do we, get two different sides, a scientific side, a faithful side and, and merge them into one. Um, why can't that be a focus? And um, I don't know why. I mean, yeah. I get why, but I don't understand why that has to be. Cause you'd, you'd think that by doing that, you would probably statistically get the right answer more times than we are now. Like oh, having yeah. that, you know what I mean? Like, and so it's like, I, I'm kind of puzzled too. It's like, even like I, I find them, I find conspiracy theories, you know, again, in quotations, interesting just because it's like, again, it challenges whatever narrative that someone is decided to run with. And that is the one that gained traction. So just because that was the one that gained traction doesn't mean that it's right. And I think it takes away, like, I think people are conditioned now, like what you just said to just, you know, have that cop out and just say like, oh, well, it's a conspiracy theory. So I don't want to engage in that because it's wrong. It didn't happen. It's like, well, like, let's talk about it. Like, let like argue it like let's like why why is it not could it have been to what degree was it something else like that's that's the only way you can creatively solve problems like you do that in business right you're like okay well what why why are our sales down well does the product suck does the marketing suck um do the do like do our employees suck are they stealing money is someone embezzling like you would go through all of the avenues to be like well how what's happening but you don't necessarily do that you get stopped because there's someone somehow said something that got traction and that is just the story that they're running with and it's it's unfortunate they feel i don't know yeah it seems like people are empowered by just pointing out the differences instead of trying to bridge the gaps i get it it's much it's much more appealing and much more it's easier to do it that way to stay in your foxhole. I'm okay to be uncomfortable. Uh, I found in my own religion, Mormonism is obsessed with saying what's true and being right and all that. And again, although there's comfort in having sort of this absolutist thinking that we miss, you miss some stuff. Mm -hmm. You miss some stuff because you're like, it doesn't matter what you say because eventually it's like, well, this is true ultimately. So <laughs> Yeah, it's, I think that that thought just kind of reminded me of early days in COVID where it was like, we encourage you to go outside, but stay home, do this, but like, don't do that. And you're like, mm. so what do we do then? So when you what have this kind of like this absolute thinking of like, this is exactly what you do, but then <laughs> it, literally it's scripture, it like says something else. You're like, well, what about this? Like, you know, the absolutist almost just sets the stage for people to um, find things conditional. And, and like, we are so imperfect people that we can't have, like, how do we live in a conditional world where it's like, well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Well, it depends. Like rules don't work that way. You probably find that in, in, in your career and uh, even mm -hmm. me with insurance, it's like, there's, there's minimal areas where it's like, well, it depends, right? Like there's, there's, this is the line. If you cross it bad, you know, here, or if like you cross this line, like it's different tolerances. So I think like mm -hmm. that, that, that that shift in perspective or that shift in paradigm where 
you're not you you can live in you can have a testimony and and have a belief that something is absolutely true in a sense like there is a creator but you know again like everything that we've been talking about like it doesn't have to be this absolute this is exactly it and then you know if you question it you're on the wrong path all of a sudden it's like questioning it doesn't necessarily mean bad because nothing like your perception hasn't necessarily changed like you haven't actually faltered off of your position i think it's it's i think it's just natural you know it, like even in any accounts with like joseph smith it's like you know questioning what is what is right what is not right like i think it comes to conclusions of and it just it it, it pushes that needle towards a, a more comprehensive and wholesome understanding i think Hmm. Would you um, would you think it's important enough to pursue truth, even if it took you off the path of Christianity, or the risk of that would take you off Christianity, or Mormonism, or whatever? Yeah, I think. Well, I, I think I think that that also like the you know looking for truth or finding the path of truth, I think can sometimes be misleading. Um, I I personally don't think that that would happen for me just because what I know to be true and what I like the, the, again, number the most important thing for me is my family, the, 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 the overall well-being of my family. Um, and, you know, even in my whole life experience, like I, I, I've, I've gotten, to, to cherish and, and truly love um, my relationship with God. And so when, you know, when you're, when you start talking about like, well, what was true? It's like, I don't actually care all that much. Like for, for me, I'm not necessarily chasing the truth. My, like what, what I believe is that I know that there was a creator again, and there, there was a, a savior. He died um, and, and understanding the spirit. And so living a life, fulfilled in those areas and and focusing on what is good focusing on bringing my family up and, and being you know financially um independent and and self-sufficient to be able to provide for my family and raise my family in the way that we want to collectively um like that's what i care more about pursuing so i'm not i don't lose sleep over the things like so even if something came up and it was like oh well maybe that's not actually the truth it's like i you know it's it, it needs to be considered at that time but i don't think it would actually sway my overall belief in Christianity um, to that degree. So you're saying you're mostly, you're chasing the relationship and the meaning versus with God and what that means for you and your family. Not so much like the truth, like you're not going to go to, Oh, I, you know, you're not going to go, you don't need to go to Jerusalem to find out where Jesus walked for you oh, to compare oh, Christianity. I could care less. Like, like yeah. not that I care less, but I mean like in the, in that sense, in that statement, like I, I could care less, like, and like, my my opinion is like I'll find out when I'm dead. Yeah. I'll find out when I'm dead. Like if I look at my life and and plot these points of like, hey, well, this helped me get here, and this helped me get here, and I was good here. Like that's what I care about. I care about a collective well being, um, yeah. with with the belief that there is an afterlife, and that there is, you know, you can repent and be better, and you can you can fix things, and that you can change. Like all of those good things. That's that's what I care about. Whoever did this and this happened here and that actually happened then and this is actually wrong or that and that like I don't care about any of those facts because I don't like I'm never going to know. I'm never going to know. 
And like, even, even when people like, even the scholars are like, well, we have evidence now. It's like, well, I'm, I don't know if I trust you. Like what, what makes you say that? Like it, it's, it's, I find it all potentially subjective or there's still bias or there's still room for error in this lifetime to say 100% guaranteed this is exactly what happened. So I, I, I wouldn't be swayed because it's like, I don't want to lose sleep over, like, I feel like it's almost like wasting my time necessarily in a sense, worrying about some of those things, because it's like, well, what, what, how, what is that doing for my needle? Whether that was true or not, does it affect me and my family right now on whether we have uh, a good sleep tonight? Or if we, if we go to bed with a full stomach or, you know, mm -hmm. how do we wait? What are we having for breakfast tomorrow? It doesn't change any of those things. So, yeah. Interesting. What about you? Well, I've, I've, I've had, I've had different thoughts, different phases of my life, but I guess where I'm at now, it's, um, in terms of faith and all that, there's definitely things that can't be explained logically. And so I definitely attribute it to like a faith in God or a creator savior. Um, I feel like I've had a great relationship with, with the uh, Christ at, at certain points in my life. And then certain points I'm like, wait, who told me this story and how did I get here? You know, and I've gone down that rabbit hole and mm -hmm. I've, I've struggled with feelings of like, have I been manipulated in my life um, as to why I think the way I think, I think now. So I, I've gone through a lot of that, but I think personally now I'm grateful for the way I was raised I'm grateful for the opportunities I've had to come to know the savior in um uh, I and I come to know him through the Mormon church. Um but my wife told me something and it struck me she said uh Mormonism doesn't monopolize Jesus or it doesn't monopolize Christ or God and I I've never heard it articulated that way and so when she said that I totally I didn't, I didn't know that I was putting a weird barrier on other religions um, thinking, Oh, well, and, but you know, you're raised that way. It's like, Oh, we have the truth. Everyone else has some truth, but mm -hmm. we have all the truth. I, you know, I, that's a very discouraging thing to say. Um, and perhaps not even fair. In fact, I mean, they, they're saying that the, they've said that the restoration is ongoing. We don't even have all the truth. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, so for now, I'm, I'm just open to other people. Um, open to other faiths not for me to to like go to but i'm definitely like i went to a baptist church this last week and i enjoyed it um i enjoyed the experience i enjoyed their fervor for for their faith and their devotion and they sound a lot like us and they sound a lot like any other religion trying to you know find meaning get better repent you know, sort of, you know, prepare yourself for the challenges and trials in life and how to persevere through a trial that you're going through. And, you know, there's only one answer and that's the savior, Jesus Christ. And I appreciate that message. I, I love it. I like hearing it when I'm at church with the, you know, with my own, with uh, the LDS faith. I love hearing it when I'm at the Baptist church. I don't, I like hearing it when I'm on the radio or I'm listening to a podcast and uh, somebody else is talking about it. it. 
I love the message um, of that. So that's where I'm at now. I'm 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 definitely a believer. I've definitely gone down the rabbit hole of um, the origins of the Mormon faith and all of the upsetting things that that could that that brings. Um, and some people minimize to me minimize it and say that it doesn't matter. I'm glad it doesn't matter to you that you specifically but others that say that i'm glad it doesn't matter to you because i know a lot of people that wreck their faith and there should be um those people should be given a lot more they're due a lot more respect and grace than we give them for people who leave mm-hmm. as a culture we don't respect people who leave and that's a shame yeah. um because those people like if i ever left the church i would definitely um i would definitely it would be a a weighty decision mm-hmm. and there'd be a lot of factors into that decision and i trust that those people who made that choice i give them all that grace and i wish them well and i'm i'm not worried about oh i'll never see them in social kingdom oh their family's not gonna be together oh they forfeited all this stuff i'm like i don't go to that i don't go to that rabbit hole that that is wasted energy and that's a cultural issue that our own yeah. church, but probably christianity at large falls into um, I just wish those people well, and I trust that they will be well. I have no reason to believe that they won't be, mm-hmm. and I believe in the article of faith. Let them, let man worship as they please. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I I don't need to go constantly profess my faith everywhere I go, even though that's something that they sort of say, or at least we're taught to do. I I think that's obnoxious. Um, but a lot of people know, I don't think there's anything wrong saying you're a member. I mean, I think most people know me as like the token Mormon friend uh, <laughs> in their friend group or whatever, but yeah. I don't go, I'm not going around. I might tell if they, if we're on a topic, I might tell them what, what, what the Mormon stance is on something, but I'm not, I'm not trying to make a convert, man. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, I th- yeah. Like it, it, it kind of just comes to like conversation, right? Like even like the theme of kind of what we've been talking is like what you had just said, right? Like even different faiths, like bat going to the Baptist church or like even some of the Jehovah, like they, some of those are like the most spiritual people ever. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, you shouldn't compare yourself to your neighbor, but you also shouldn't compare yourself to other faiths, right? Like if, if someone grew up completely involved in, um, the Catholic church or a Baptist church, or it was, you know, Buddhism, whatever it is. It's like, they, they're doing what they believe to be true. Mm-hmm. And you can't really fault them for it. Right. Like it's, it's, it's not necessarily our, like, you know, when it, when it comes to, you know, sharing faith, it's like, I think that should just be an open discussion from everyone. It's like, Hey, well, you know, from my experiences, this is, this is kind of how I felt, or this is how it's helped me and vice versa. Like, I don't think it's, it's, it's a one-way street necessarily. Um, and there was a, from what you were saying, your wife, uh, that what she shared with you and how you haven't really heard it or articulate articulated like that. Um, have you seen the, the movie, the shack? I read the book. I've never yeah. seen the movie. The yeah, movie, yeah I, I haven't read the book, but I, I did see the movie. And it, it was like, I appreciated it because of just like, you know, sometimes when you have a, uh, like a fresh look at something or like 
you didn't really imagine. Like I think in the in the movie, um, God is portrayed as Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I heard that. I've never seen it. I want to see it. But yes, it's and it's uh, like I think that was perfect because I think the main character had like daddy issues and and so mm-hmm. you know he's like I I don't think you really wanted to see a father figure right now. I was like oh, and I think at one point in the movie it might have been in the book too. Um, God or Whoopi Goldberg um, was talking about like um, love always leaves a mark because, you know, from, from he was questioning like, well, why do you let so many bad things happen? Or like, I was in pain. Like I was, I was calling for you and you didn't answer. Like you didn't help me when I needed you most. Like that's like, how can you be so merciful? And it's like, you have no idea. Like, you know, love always leaves a mark. Like you don't know the pain that I was in. And like, I, I had a thought recently too of, you know, like when you are struggling and maybe not getting the answers that you want, or like, you're not getting the results that you want. Um, you don't really know what he's doing or like, who's praying for you or who, you know, what, what, what spiritual divinity is, is, is backing you and actually helping you. You may not yeah. see the results right away, but like you don't actually know what goes on behind the scenes. And so that the, the saying of love always leaves a mark um, that that stood out to me. And I think that was something that was articulated differently that kind of just spoke to, you know, like, what are we talking about? Like, you know, all the different faiths and all the different things. And when you start talking about history, like, you know, I think what you said was, you know, good. Like if 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 some of that history didn't affect you as much to to leave like good but for those that don't like, you know, they, they do deserve some grace and they do deserve. And like, again, like even in that, in that, in the article of faith, like, you know, they can worship who, how, and what, where they may. I think that, I don't think that that necessarily is only for people who don't have any knowledge of Mormonism or the gospel, right? Like they're okay to, 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 to be Muslim or Baptist or Catholic, but like, as soon as you're in and then you leave all of a sudden, like that doesn't apply to you anymore. Yeah, I think that's incredibly unfair and not true and hypocritical. And um, but and but then let's say they do say that this is what it, this is what I don't like about the culture is like, like oh no, it's fine, you can do what you want. But they walk around lamenting that you're not around or you didn't go to the the church. I'm like, again, to me, it's just wasted wasted energy when when your our job really is to still be families, be friends. And just because the gospel is not a common thread anymore, you can, something else can be, you know, and I'm not saying change your lifestyle or change the way you do things in your own house. Mm-hmm. But what I am saying is find your common ground and build on that as you would with anybody for anything, you know? Well, what about this though? Cause I feel like a, a common theme, like, you know, if you grew up Catholic and then you leave the Catholic church, yeah, there's some repercussion, but you kind of just move on in life. You just kind of keep doing you and you just have, have a, you know, you've separated yourself from that. It's not your tradition. You don't go to church every Sunday anymore. Maybe you don't even go at all. Um, but you, you know, like that's, it's not a part of you, but it, what, like what I, what I see a lot and I I'm, would love to hear your input. Um, but like when people leave the Mormon church, oftentimes they either go completely like completely against it almost to now, like, being enemies and now if you still had an active membership you're like there's now like a problem in between you or the 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 people that end up you know not necessarily just struggling but they they leave but now it's like their whole identity of like they're now an ex-member like yeah i was me and me and my wife chelsea were watching survivor and like one of the first couple guys to get out was like you know i grew up um and in a strict religion i was mormon and you know i have to go home to my husband now and he was gay and it was like like why is that relevant like 
it's like I know it's part of your story, and I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. Not like, but like, it's it it becomes such a a passion to like, and of course, like I mean, religion is is not necessarily something that is just so easily washed away, right? Like it is a, a big, if not the the biggest part of your whole you know your, that's where your morals and values come from so of course it's going to be huge and it's not just going to like be automatically shut off but like what what what's your take on that like why well one i think we're in the not just the information age but we're in like the sharing social media age and so it is trendy to share um opposition and not and, and I don't mean that in any trivial way. I mean it really is like like how many people protesting this between Israel and Palestine really understand the conflicts and the centuries of conflict there? Nobody. And that's most of them probably not. Um and the same thing with well, I guess there's all, all kinds of movements, but I think with with people who leave and join the Exmo community as it's called. Often called. Yeah. I, I, I I struggle with it because they think they got out and they want to be the sound of reasoning. And I've listened, listen, I've listened to hundreds of hours of Mormon stories, podcast, hundreds of hours of it. And I find it, the guests interesting because um, some, some guests are like, yeah, I was, and now I'm not. And it's not a big deal. And some people are like, no, it was traumatic and I hated it. And, Whatever and John Delin, who runs that podcast, he says his main focus is informed consent. So, like, if you are Mormon, you should know these things, and if you continue to practice Mormonism, good. And if you don't, good. As long as you know this is what's what goes on behind the scenes or whatever. He's trying in his mind. He's being comprehensive. Then there's other people on the podcast that are contributors that are absolutely anti and you know those guys have an axe to grind and you know there is a there's a market for market for that they want so there are many people who want to listen to it because they're angry for whatever their reasons are and um to so for me i say like if you want to listen to general conference go listen to general conference if you don't if you want to be if you want to listen to people be angry about mormons then go listen to (laughs) There's a, there's there's podcasts, dozens, many oh, dozens of them. But I'll tell you, you know, I can't explain this, but I'll tell you an experience I've never forgotten is that year my parents took me to the pageant out in New York back when that was a thing. And well, there's a lot of, and I was, I don't even know, I must have been like 10, 11, 12, something like this. And there was protesters or something. I don't know what you call them, but they were. They seem to be protesting the pageant or protesting Mormonism. And they were like, you're going to hell and God this and don't believe that, whatever it was. And we're, um, as a family, we're walking through this to get to the, you were walking across the street to get to the the field where this, this um, play thing was. And once, and it was, you know, kind of con- pretty concerning that these people would do this. And then once once I made it to this field, it was like very peaceful where this display was going on. It was very peaceful and, I, and it was great and I enjoyed it. And that's happened for years that I've gone there, but I haven't forgotten that. And I remember thinking like that is seems to be such a waste. And 
but there are people who do that. So I don't know when you talk about the Exmo community, they, to me, they have their reasons and I don't even disagree with their reasons. Um, if that's how the world looked to me and my experience, Mormonism was that bad. And they vary. All these stories vary and what happened to them. I, I'm again, I say, I'm sorry. That was your, your experience. And I haven't, I haven't worshipped in Mormonism unscathed either, but I've never been, you know, assaulted and whatever. So, you know, for me, the church is a vehicle to worship God and to have a better relationship with Christ. And that's how I try to, how I try to utilize it. Um, Cause if I try to make sense of the history or whatever, I, I can't. And that's, I, I, I probably wouldn't stay, especially with my, my current employment. Like, <laughs> yeah, you... it doesn't, it doesn't compute, you know, yeah. the behaviors of the early members, it doesn't compute with, you know, working with people who are victims of sexual assault and all that now, and then look at the origins where that is a, was a thing. It's, it's difficult to uh, process. And so I don't think it's forgivable. I don't, I don't give Joseph Smith a pass. I don't give Brigham Young a pass. I don't give any of those founders a pass. Um, I think they will have to answer for what they've done and they should. And I don't, I don't praise to the man, but I'll give credit where credit's due, but I don't just because Joseph Smith was the founder of the church or founder of the restoration rather uh, doesn't mean in any way for me that, he wasn't also a criminal. So that is upsetting for some people, but I'm like, why, why don't we, again, why don't we call a spade a spade again? Like mm -hmm. sexual assault, sexual assault. I don't know how to explain it. We, we yeah. excommunicate members for having consensual relationships with one with another, you know what I mean? Yeah. So consensual adult relationships, you're going to excommunicate people on that if they're not married, but you would, but this man is, we sing praise to the man who was, you know, sealed to a 14 15 year olds and you know that's all very upsetting to me and it doesn't make sense so i don't need to make sense of it because it's i know it's it's nonsense i'm not going to try to make sense of that yeah so for but no. for me again i just kind of i just sit in the space of like the church is a vehicle for me to to worship god and jesus christ and i don't know if mormonism is the brand that's correct necessarily it's you know mormonism talks very much about christ all the time and the book of mormon is all about christ and so for that i'm appreciative because if the book of mormon was about joseph smith well i wouldn't be <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? so i don't I think there are difficult things that he endured, but I think he indulged in practices that are abominable and he's going to be accountable to that. Yeah. And I think, I think even like, and I think that's part of kind of where, where, where I stand too, is like, just because you had some authority or prestige or whatever calling that you had, that, that doesn't give you a pass like that. And that goes for anyone. Like, I think that, that, that's the whole point of being a, a mortal person is that, regardless of your stance like you can still make mistakes and you will answer for those and i'm like i again like i i would be appreciative too like i i know the things that i've done 
the mistakes that I've made, I've done some pretty awful things and I have to answer for those or like, you know, and I have the opportunity to repent and whatnot, but I still have to answer for them. And that, and that goes for, for anyone too. So it's, I, that, that, that's part of where I don't necessarily lose sleep either. Or if, you know, chasing truth, it's like, if, 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 you know, those things, you know, whether they happened or not, or which ones did and which ones didn't, or which ones, you know, I don't, I don't lose sleep over that because I know that, you know, if you did do those terrible things, that's a you problem, man. Like, I don't want to be you. I don't want to be you like that. That's pretty messed up. And so I, I can sleep well at night, just knowing that, you know, you're that's, that's on you. That's on you. Have you seen the chosen? I have not actually, I've seen, I do want to see it though. Cause it looks Literally. really visually appealing. It's really good. Well, here's the, it, for me, it helps. And I think some people uh, might disagree with me on this, but I thought it's the, the best depiction dramatized version of Christ's life. And it, you know, it, there's a lot in the Bible where it just tells you about a miracle that happened, but the story, the, the producer or the director of it, I don't know what he is exactly, but his name is Dallas and he created the script that led to the miracle. So it helps you like contextualize it or, and uh, they took some liberties with the stories and all that, but, but it still helps you visualize how these things happened and what people might've said and, you know, the emotions of the time and all that. And to me, it's been really helpful for me to like see that depiction because it's really, fortified or ignited my my faith in christ in general um and that's where i'm trying to keep that that fire burning for that and because it really is i mean it, it really is um it really is beautiful in that way so i try that's where i try to keep my focuses on because if i was trying to figure out you know like why all these fallible men are called to do these things. Like, you know, David who slew Goliath was also a fallen prophet and, you know, planned for Bathsheba to be removed so he could have Bathsheba's wife. I think I'm saying that right. And, you know, so he's a fallen prophet and I believe there are fallen prophet. There could be a fallen prophet and that happens and no one's immune to, falling and mm. so i guess that's uh, that's how i view the whole joseph smith thing i'm like is he a fallen prophet i don't know i just know that he was removed and i don't i don't like people describing him as a man to a slaughter and all that i think that's nonsense i that's that to me was the savior not somebody who took a six chamber revolver into the jailhouse and shot into a door to preserve himself. You know what I mean? That's not a land of the slaughter. That's someone who's going out swinging. That's a difference. So, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him, but I don't mm -hmm. depict him the way I don't view him nearly like I view Christ. When I think, I think, you know, that I think the bottom of like, you know, the, the center exactly right like i like number one one of the big misconceptions misconceptions is i think that like we idolize or praise or like pray to joseph smith when in reality it's like it the, the church is centered around christ it's 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 christ's church 
the church of Jesus Christ. And I think that's, that's where I like to, to really point my compass and really stay strong too, is like, that's what matters. Like that's, that's literally what it is. Like that, you know, whoever, you know, if it was like a, the game of chess, right? Like there's other people involved, but don't, don't forget, you know, the chess board on like what actually really matters on what all this is actually built on. Mm. Um, closing things out the, uh, I always ask a question on attitude. So I'd, I'd love your, your opinion on how a positive attitude has encouraged and progressed your life, uh, potentially helping you through, um, hardship or, or finding solution. Um, and maybe sometimes on, you know, reflect, reflecting on having a bad attitude or having an attitude that maybe is inadequate, um, and some of those consequences and, and reactions of such. Well, I definitely envy those who have that as their their compass or easily the positive attitude easily at their disposal. It's like I have a twin brother, incredibly, <laughs> incredibly enthusiastic, incredibly positive. My wife, incredibly positive, incredibly encouraging. And not that I'm not, but that is who they are. And that's and I tend to surround myself by people around people who are like that uh, because my, my inclination is to be pessimistic or at least my inclination is to find the worst case scenario or the bottom and establish what the worst case scenario is and then build up. And, you know, there's, there's a place for that, but that's not, that's not the most, that's not the, the best way, the best thing, you need for, you know, trying to endure like a trial or something. Um, so my, my twin has gone through two kidney transplants and each one he's like, why he's happy and positive and encouraging. And, uh, when people come to see him, it's like, he's so gracious to see them and people are like, no, we're here for you. And, you know, I don't, there's something about, his positive attitude that makes him endure incredible hardship. And I try to think of those exam that example when I'm, when I'm going through stuff. Um, and as a family, ironically, it's like the one that's suffering the most was the most positive. And so we all sort of, yeah, I don't know, seem to have hung on, his positive energy and attitude and enthusiasm to get through those two difficult hardships, um, which I appreciate because he looked at it. It's like, I have, I'm still living. I have a, I'm still here. And even though I'm, what I can do is limited, I can still do this. And so he does that. Um, so I found, I found, I have found strength in that and have tried to say, okay, look at the, look at life as the glass is half full instead of half empty. And with that, what can I do? What can I do better with what I got? And when you look at the tragedies around the world or whatever, people wish they could have the opportunities and things that I have. So keeping things in that kind of perspective has kept the engine going for me personally. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I, I sincerely appreciate your time, Mark. Thanks for all, all your thoughts, man. You bet, sir. Thanks for the, uh, the invite. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Keystone Collective Podcast. We hope you've been inspired, learned something new, and discovered ways to elevate your life. Remember to subscribe and share the podcast. Our journey is just the beginning, and I can't wait to bring you more transformative content. Until next time, remember, every episode is a stepping stone forward to a better you. Stay strong, stay curious, and remember, it's a great day for a great day.